banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as that Carolina offer sheet and the Twitter onslaught that followed. What are you talking about, man? 20 bucks is a great signing fee. You know, that, that $6 million on the side, pff, no big deal. Yeah, man, it's not like they were just trying to stick it to Montreal or anything. Oh, jeez, man, what a brutal, brutal signing. It's it's painful, Matt. The saga will continue for you. We'll, we'll roll back into it in a sec because there's some bigger names with some bigger implications that we have to discuss right now. The first and foremost, we got it wrong. We thought Ronaldo was coming back, but we thought he was coming back to Man City. Nah. The return to Man United? Like, is this team a contender again? Uh, I mean, maybe, man. He's not the same Ronaldo that left in over the past uh, five years or whatever have you. Um, he's not going to rack up the same amount of goals as he used to, but the guy's a scorer. Like, I've read this crazy stat that if you take Man U's top seven scores uh, since he left, they total 533 goals, which is the exact number that he's had between Real and Juventus in that same amount of time, which is wild. Seven players to to one. And they, they include like Rashford and, and Van Persie, like some big name oh, yeah. players, man. Crazy stuff. Good for him, though. There, exactly. There's no snubs in that comparison. And Ronaldo is a legend in his own right. And obviously he needed to change and... He's been across the ponds. He's been kind of everywhere and done everything. So why not return, have another run through it, maybe become the savior to come back and maybe bring this team into serious contention again? Because it's been a weird time in European football. I don't want to go too into it because it's still young. There's still a lot of time left in a lot of the competitions. But pretty crazy that we had all this thoughts and speculations and nah, nowhere close. Yeah, man. I mean, we got the the the, the city right, right? Manchester, True. but we got the league. We got the league right. There you go. <laughs> Wrong team, though. Uh, can't believe he's going back to Man United. Uh, prodigal son returns, eh? <laughs> prodigal son, indeed. But let's flip, Matt. Let's flip to the NFL to someone who thinks he has a new prodigal son because Cam Newton is officially gone. He's been cut, or he's been Released. asked to be cut release yeah the situation is still kind of boiling but the patriots they're going in a different direction yeah man well it's definitely official that he's been released from the team um nobody knows the real circumstances around it if he asked to be released or if bill felt that he couldn't provide stability in that backup role the vaccine status man at the end of the day that's what probably really cost him his job um, everyone thought he was going to be the starter after week two preseason performance. He looked great. And then he misses those five days because of that COVID mm -hmm. incident. Um, he wasn't allowed to leave the facilities as an unvaccinated player. He did. He paid the price for it. And now he's going to be a free agent. I don't know if a team picks him up, man. At 32 years old, a former league MVP, um, he's just not the same guy that he once was. His his dominance was predicated on his athleticism, which has started to decline. He's never really developed into that drop-back passer of, you know, the Bradys, the Rodgers, the Mannings kind of mold. Okay. So he's, he's banking on somebody picking him up or an injury happening and getting a chance to start somewhere. But they're going with Mac Jones, man. The second coming of Tom Brady, maybe? Apparent, app <laughs> apparently. They have a lot of faith in him. Belichick is like, yeah, you know what? Let's go young, which I don't blame him. You know me. I like young players. I like potential. You got to take the risk sometimes, especially when the Patriots looked at what Tom Brady did last year. And Tom was like, hi, guys. Uh, just over here winning uh, championships. Don't mind me. You know, you guys do you over there. Like, they have to do something. And, well, Newton can be a force and we've seen what he can do in the league like reset i guess you know take your time if cam if mac jones can be i guess the next coming of of what we've all saw with what the patriots had why wouldn't you take the chance yeah absolutely um i think the fact that they have a very good offensive line their running game is strong they're not going to need to rely on mac jones to kind of carry them and be a playmaker and that's what he what but he isn't like he isn't a playmaker right. he's going to be a guy who's going to get the ball out of his hands quick he's going to hit his receivers with accuracy and timing which is exactly what bill belichick's offense is all about i mean 
Brady built his career throwing to guys like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman out of short routes. Timing, accuracy, that that is what Brady's calling card is. So let's see what they have in Mac Jones. I mean, worst comes to worst, they're a really bad team. They get back into the draft and they go after another quarterback. Uh, you got to see what you have in the kid though, right? And he's coming from Nick Saban's offense and Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are good friends. So it, it sounds like all systems are go for Mac Jones to have a good rookie year. His rookie of the year odds spiked super hard when he became the starter. Sure. So we'll see, man. I'm excited for the football season. Uh, no preseason games this week, but it's starting up next week. And, you know, we'll be talking about it every week from then on. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, it's right. It'll be really interesting. The Patriots are in a situation that they have seen in the past can create the perfect combination. And that's what they're hoping for. And it could work out perfect for everybody. And, and Cam could go find a situation where he can run, if you can still run, and be a starter. Because that's obviously what he has wanted. But... Man, time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, man. Cam Newton can definitely still run. He showed it last year, but it's it's that low percentage of completion percentage that he has. Last year was pretty good, but still, the low 60s is not where the elite quarterbacks are. and He's just not elite anymore. It is what it is. Okay, Matt, I'll let you go off again. It's time. We're back in the NHL. Let's talk about this offer sheet because I know that you are burning up inside absolutely fuming man when i saw that offer sheet we were coming home from dinner at the in-laws and i freaked out it brought a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, anger um there's anger towards the player towards the teams towards everything i hated the media twitter onslaught because it just made it seem like more of a revenge play the more I've read about it, the more I've, I've looked into it, the more I've thought about it. Keiki is an analytical player. His 62 points in 171 games doesn't speak to his underlying numbers. He controls a lot of the play when he is on the ice. He's just been unlucky. I've always been a huge fan of the kid. I mean, 18 oh, yeah. years old, playing in the NHL, had quietly a fabulous defensive season while also putting up 36 38 points i forget the exact number right now but it's just been bad development after bad development with his injury in year two and then them not showing confidence and faith in him and after they scratched him apparently in the stanley cup final he told people around him that that was probably going to be the last couple games that he ever played in a canadian's uniform and it's wow. looking that way at this point man how do you feel? Do you think they should match? I mean, it's a hard situation. I was actually reading up a bunch of it, Matt. You'd be really proud of me, the amount of hockey content that I've been consuming the last week. Because when I heard it, I was talking to Austin especially about it, like, it's kind of crazy because I, I was reading about how, you know, a lot of teams haven't been using this opportunity to give these offer sheets in the salary cap era, you know, and this is, like, kind of a petty situation for what happened in the past with Montreal. That's where that 20 bucks comes from. Uh and at the end of the day, exactly, aho. Uh and now, and now you're kind of stuck because uh, I was saying that you, you know, I was thinking they maybe wanted to pay him three million. You're like, oh, maybe two point four would be great, but now you're stuck in this situation where you have to start paying a guy what his future high point is right now, which you don't want to do, which isn't valuable for a team that is already over the cap. So it sucks. And if you let him go and he becomes nothing, there you go, you win. But if he becomes what that's worth, then maybe this changes the potential of the league. Maybe more GMs are willing to take these risks and try to get players. But at the end of the day, it just makes fan bases like, uh, ooh, what is going on? I just want to know like, to sign or not to sign. Like, You're just in a waiting period here. Well, that's what everyone is saying and why they love it because beginning or end of august beginning of september is an absolute dead season when it comes to the nhl they're not like the nba where they generate a ton of off-season buzz and this move has hockey fans hockey fringe fans like yourself looking at hockey news and talking nhl which is great for the sport great for the brand it's just they just 
killed the offer sheet. Honestly, <laughs> they made it so that it's so so unpalatable for Montreal that not matching seems like a great idea because they will be stuck with at that 6.1 with an arbitrator next year. They might be able to potentially get it down to 5.85 as a qualifying offer, but that's if he rules still. in their favor and it's still a ton of money. Apparently he even has a handshake deal with Carolina to for a more palatable four year or four million dollar extension from the future from next year. So it really seems like he wants out of Montreal because of the mishandlings, because of them benching him in the Stanley Cup finals, which, you know, he was out playing Eric Stahl, so there's no reason that he should have been benched yeah. over a guy like Eric Stahl. Um it's just brutal for me, man. At the end of the day, I think even though I love KK and I still think that he's he has oh, yeah. the potential to be a, a low tier number one center in this league, uh, so he would be a fabulous second line center on Carolina behind Sebastian Ajo. I just I think that they have to let him walk because he's not worth that money today. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be worth that money. It's it's a risk when you when you pay a player like that and you're gonna have to keep him. I would take that first round pick. And that third round pick, I would package it together with my own first round pick. My, I, they have, I think, a couple second round picks that they could also use. They also have multiple third round picks that they could use. I would try to jack up like five or six in the top three rounds next year. And I'd go to Buffalo. I'd offer some prospects, some, some high B-level prospects. Jordan Harris was a point-per-game defenseman in the NCAA. That's unreal. We could offer him, maybe even Jaden Struble, his you know player on his team. There's Jordan, or there's Josh Brooks. There's Yessi Yolenin, who all have high upside potential as prospects, and just see if they'll bite. They can't have Cole. They can't no. have my boy. That's it. That's the only rule. Obviously, man. And besides, if I'm gonna package together two first-round picks. Cole is not going to be a part of that package. Cole himself is worth more than those two first-round picks. And so it can't include Romanov in that deal. That guy's going to be a stud. I guarantee it. And so when you get down to it, you're trying to pry Eichel away, who has damaged value. That would be my kind of under, uh, understanding of the situation and how I would go for it. They're looking at Christian Dvorak, who's a great player in Arizona, but he's not going to be ever a top 15 center in this in this league he just won't be so he doesn't move the needle thomas hurdle maybe in san jose we might be able to prime away but again it's going to cost you an arm and a leg so i would go for eichel again i'm just torn man because you know i love kk i'm so glad i didn't get his jersey though <laughs> it's a tough situation that you're kind of sitting in because it's the controversy of of the moment and everyone's talking about it and you you obviously want to keep the player because you've liked what you've seen. Like, shout out somebody, if, if anyone's listening, go check out the board. Check out Matt's article. He wrote a great post about KK and why he thought that this organization was failing him. And maybe this is why he's so upset because he hasn't felt respected and, you know, deserved. He's a, thir he's a third overall pick for, you know, for a reason, right? He's supposed to be valuable. And, and this is why it's scary. This is why you don't want to let him go because he could leave, have a new situation and be like, sick, I can be me now. And all of that potential suddenly comes to form because he's not sitting there every night thinking, why am I here? Why am I playing? This isn't exactly the right situation, which is tough at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's had no consistency in the NHL when it comes to wingers. Um, and besides his draft stock being third overall, which some people felt was a reach, he has pedigree, man. Like, at the U18 tournament, he led Finland to a gold medal, and he was a key player, if not the key player on that team, that took them to the gold medal. He has proven it in the past that he can dominate his peer group. There was a reason he's been playing in professional hockey since he was a 17, 16-year-old kid in Finland. He's got that potential. He's got that stud status. And Montreal has really deteriorated his confidence sending him down to the AHL, not giving him proper wingers, making him earn all of his ice time. Every time he makes a mistake, you sit him back down. I mean, when Victor Mete got picked up by Ottawa this year, he actually made the comment that it's really nice to play in Ottawa because I can go out and play my game. If I make a mistake, I'm not going to get glued to the bench. 
Montreal has a reputation of doing that with their young players, and they need to find a way to stop. You have to live with the mistakes and go through the pains because they'll eventually grow into the player you need them to be and want them to be. I'm sad to see this happen. It was a perfect revenge move by Don Waddell. Um, if Montreal sticks it to them with that contract, he made some very hmm. questionable decisions this year. He wouldn't pay Alex Nedeljkovic their first uh, their first string goalie. He wouldn't pay Dougie Hamilton their best defenseman. And then he goes out and signs KK to this yeah. massive sheet, which like KK at the max probably would have gotten a two year six million dollar contract for Montreal worth about three million a year. I think that would have been a very fair contract, um, but. Bergevin was probably trying to squeeze him, and then he just took the six million from Carolina. Said, "You know what, Bergevin, if you if you're gonna do this to me, I'm gonna do it to you back." So, I think I don't know, man. Uh, I might predict it at the end, but at the moment, I'm feeling like it's just the worst situation. <laughs> it, it's a toughie. Before you before you move to other NHL, I just want to give a comparison to someone like DeAndre Ayton, who for years people thought, you know, because he wasn't in the right situation, he wasn't valuable, right? And then finally gets the right teammates and he's playing. People are like, oh man, he is the center right now in the West for what we saw in the last playoffs. Just a quick little comparison of somebody who didn't have the right support, maybe wasn't in the right situation, never had the right team, never had the right backing from an organization, but always had the potential as a you know, first pick, but potentially should be the third pick in that draft. Just a thought thrown out there. Definitely, man. 100%. So we'll see what happens. Um... You know, the NHL actually had a busy week this week besides that offer sheet. The Islanders with four signings. They got Beauvillier, Sizikis, Palmieri, and their goalie, Sorkin, all signed. Uh, Colton Pareko signed. Joel Farabee out in Philadelphia signed. Casey Middlestat in uh, Buffalo. I think he got a heck of a deal for what he's shown in the NHL. He, I'm pretty sure he's been worse than KK. And he got, like, <laughs> two and a half, two point six. 2.6. So... That, that goes to show you, man, if Bergman was trying to squeeze KK down to 2.25, that's not where, where his value's at, and that's what not what you do with young players. So, yeah, man, I mean, I'm pretty good to roll through the NHL at this point. It's just making me sad. Uh, well, let's talk about basketball then. Let's make it simple Woo. for you. Because it's easy. Before we get to roll into our you know new divisional chat, which I enjoyed last week, man. I thought we had a lot of good thoughts about these teams, even though they did mess us up. With this trade, right after. that came out, what, literally minutes, an hour after we recorded. An so we're going to break that down first before we go to the Pacific Division. Spoilers ahead. But Matt, this big trade, it's the Laurie Markkinen trade. We've been waiting for it. Bulls fans have been waiting for it. And at the end of the day, Bulls come out pretty good in this because the Cavs are now going to be paying Laurie Markkinen $67 million over four years, I believe it is. It might be a little closer to 62 I'm not sure. No, I and think we're going to have, it might be, yeah, exactly, 67, I think, which is a yeah. decent signing if Lowry can become what he's supposed to be, but I'm going to talk about it in a sec because the Cavs are weirdly tall at this point. But I think about Portland, the other team that got dragged into this. They gave up Derek Jones Jr., who's going to the Bulls, and they're getting Larry Nance Jr. back, who, sad that he's going to be leaving the Cavs as a fan favorite there, but Portland can definitely use him, considering the fact that Mello is no longer going to be part of this. And the Bulls get... A Blazers 2022 protected first and a Cavs 23 second. And Derek Jones Jr., a player who wasn't playing in Portland, who could potentially find rotational minutes off the bench at the Bulls team, like, could be a win all around, except for maybe the Cavs. He definitely does. Yeah. And yeah, he was in that dunk competition. He looked great. I think it's a great move by the Bulls. Uh, Laurie Markkinen didn't really fit in next to Vucevic and and Wendell Carter and that, that whole front court log jam that they have so this kind of we knew he was up. leaving yeah it we knew he was leaving because a guy like patrick williams can even play the power forward right and they want they more invested in him want him to develop a little bit more it opens up minutes for him so that's that's a nice play i still don't think it really changes much of the standings of where we had them last year even though two of these teams were involved in it uh calves get i guess a little better with laurie marketing but that's still like the largest lineup in NBA history that they can roll out now that they signed Taco Falls, man. It's just <laughs> wild. I hope they do it. I know the joke around the league is that there's just been this lineup setup of the Cavaliers putting all of their centers and PFs out, but I hope they do it just 
at least for one little moment, even if it's just a preseason game, because it'd be so fun just to see, especially if they're going up against someone like Chris Paul, you know, or Isaiah Thomas gets put on a team and somehow faces them in the preseason. Like, how crazy would it be to watch something like that? Absolutely, man. I would die of laughter seeing five nine Isaiah Thomas versus like all like six nine and above players on the other team. It would be quite a show and quite a contrast. Yes, exactly. And and to be honest, it's a win all around. I mean, the Cavs have an opportunity with Laurie to to be a part of the organization, and he gets a fresh restart. The Bulls get a player who wasn't playing, who now gets an opportunity to join a team, which doesn't really know its rotation so can always use another player and more picks to make up for the fact that they don't have a lot of picks currently and Portland gets a player that can come in and actually be serviceable right now crazy when a three-team trade actually works out for everybody especially when one player the main player really wanted out yeah no it's definitely been good for all three teams man but there's some other signings that we got to get to uh Millsap and Aldridge back to the Nets yeah, I know. The Nets, they're trying to be the uh, other side of the Lakers here with the, you know, retirement home. New York City basketball, baby, in Brooklyn. But, I mean, the the Millsap deal, confirmed. He's going for sure. Aldridge, crazy that he's been confirmed to, you know, get to return to play. I'm excited. I hope he does get to play basketball. Like, safe and healthily, of course, obviously. But the end of his career was really sad, where it just happened so suddenly and you know, I think back to like Chris Bosh, you know, who dealt with his situation and all of a sudden his career was just over, right? Like if Aldridge can come back, as much as I don't want the you know Nets to win a championship, I'd love if Aldridge can come back and have some fun moments and, and be a part of this team. Like that would make me happy. Yeah, 100%. I, I like him as a player. It was really sad. Like you said, what happened to his career, kind of like Chris Bosh, but don't go back to the Nets, man. Find a different team. Maybe, <laughs> maybe go to, like, the Clippers or maybe you can go to the Lakers. No, not the Lakers. They're already jock- jacked up with a bunch of old guys. <laughs> but that's that's the interesting thing about both of these players because the Nets with, with Blake, with Nick Claxton, who was playing really well, I think, is on that team. There's, there's a couple of other big rotations. You know, KD is going to definitely play some center rotation minutes. Like, they can't use Millsap and Aldridge as much as some other teams. So, like, I don't want to say this as a classic example of ring chasing, but at the end of the day, it kind of is. But they're two guys that are pretty nice that we like, honestly, so I'm, I'm not going to rip on them for it. Like, you know, join a team that gives you a great opportunity, whether or not you get time to play. Like, I mean, a ring's a ring. They look shiny on our fingers, right, Matt? Absolutely. And you know what? At the end of the day... People are going to remember his career in Portland and in San Antonio and then say, oh, he also got a ring, which will probably help him get into the Hall of Fame, uh, a place where he where he might belong. Uh, I'd have to do some digging to see the, the lower end Hall of Fame players, but he'd probably kind of fit into that bottom tier category. Another guy who's probably fringe Hall of Fame, also ring chasing with the Lakers, Rondo actually re-signed back, man. He wants the parade back. You think he's going to get it? So I I think it'll be really interesting because I think he fits better with the Lakers than he does with the Clippers. You know, playoff Rondo is a thing, but it has to be on a team of guys that aren't afraid to just get, you know, smacked in the mouth by Rondo because Rondo's going to tell it like it is. That's the guy that he was. That's why he worked great as a young kid on that Celtics team because he was a type of player that was willing to speak his mind even with late, even with legends and great players that were on that team. And then, you know, you flip over to the Lakers team, like, he showed up in moments for LeBron, and he showed up in moments to talk to some of those kids and tell them, hey, you gotta hit those shots. Hey, you know, AD, you're great, but you're in there. Like, he has that type of force, but you think back to the playoffs, when he made that comment to Kawhi, and Kawhi was like, bruh, bruh, who you think you are? Like, I am Mr. Roboto, like, I'm in charge of this Clippers squad, and, you know, it worked out how he got his money from Atlanta, blah, 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 but... I guess I think he'll be better on the Lakers than he was on the Clippers, but yeah, ring chasing, Matt. That's all it is. Dude, it's LeBron James. LeBron James will pull out the best in most (laughs) people. He pulled out the best in Rondo, and he's going to do it in Dwight Howard again. I mean, that's, that's what that team is all about. They're built around one player who can get the most out of NBA vets, and they added another one in Rondo, and I think they have the best best roster in the NBA 
to go win a championship. Uh, I think they're ahead of the Nets, who are probably going to have some chemistry issues again this year. Hopefully, they can all stay healthy so that we get some some pretty good finals. But man, it is looking pretty pretty much like an LA championship run coming up right here. Uh, all right, slow it down on the Lakers. We're going to talk about them in like 20 minutes time, Matt, my friend. We got to talk about some other things, but last thing I want to mention, obviously Capella getting his deal for the Hawks. Kind of great, kind of awesome. He gets a 2-year extension on top of the 2 years he had before. He's a big deal for that Hawks team. You know, he he has been great. A lot of fans really like Capella. I was never big on him, but that's probably cuz I don't watch enough Hawks basketball at the end of the day, and that's how it is. Besides that, we'll talk about Simmons more as we break down these teams because there's no way he won't come up at the end of the day because especially when we talk about the Kings in a second, I'm going to joke about Ben Simmons because that's where I think his potential destination can be. But Matt, let's roll into this division chat because I think it's time we talk about the Pacific. I joke that Ben Simmons is going to get traded to the Kings because right, it'll happen in like an hour or two right when we finish this because it has to happen if we're talking about divisions here. But where do you want to start when it comes to this Pacific division? Oh, man, let's start at the bottom with uh, that Sacramento team as it's constructed right now. I mean, you had Ben Simmons, maybe they bump up the ladder, but I don't even think that much. This is a, a murderer's row division, man. The Lakers, Straight the up. Warriors, the Suns, the Clippers – like those could be the top four teams in the West next year, and I wouldn't bat an eye. So the Kings are are definitely in tough here. I think the the craziest thing for me when I was doing my research is the player with the most win shares on that team was Holmes. Right yeah. on Holmes. What? It, you would think so, a guy like Fox, a guy like Barnes, but no, man, Holmes. Why do you think I, I wanted Holmes for our team? Why do you think so many Raptors fans were like, we got to try to get this guy in free agency? Because, you know, the Kings, they did re-sign Rashawn Holmes. I'm pretty sure it's Rashawn Holmes. It may be Raquan. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in tune to everything, but I think he was a big deal. I'm interested to see what Tristan Thompson can do coming into this team to see if he will have an effect because I don't know. They're going to have a lot of tall options, especially if, if Holmes is going to be a stud again and try to continue to add value to this team. But my question, Matt, is are they going to miss our boy, our old friend, DeLon Wright, who's gone to the Hawks to try to join Trey Young and what he's doing? Because they got Davion Mitchell, who's proved that he is capable of, whether or not he can be a true ball handler for this team is a question, right? That That's the answer. And obviously they aren't willing to give up De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton in these Simmons trades. I mean, I, do you want me to talk about Buddy Heald? You know how I feel about Buddy Heald. I don't think he's worth a lot at all. So maybe you try to get rid of him for Simmons, but I don't think Philadelphia wants just a true shooter. They have that in Seth Curry. So like, the Kings are at the bottom, man. That's all I see, unfortunately. But I've been feeling that way for two years, so my mind has not changed. Yeah, I, honestly, man, they're they're not gonna climb out of the bottom anytime soon, unless Marvin Bagley explodes this year, which I doubt he doesn't even want to be there. So we, who knows how long into the season he's gonna he's gonna last? Uh, they've got you know Harrison Barnes ahead of him. Um, it's it's looking like a, a decent roster with Tyrese Halliburton, DeAndre Fox. I like Davion Mitchell. I think he's going to replace DeLon Wright nicely um, in that rotation. But again, they're just they're not deep enough in this this division. It's going to be a wash. The guy with like six point one win shares for for Holmes is great, but when nobody else on your team is cracking over four point five, and your star player only has a 4.2 on a 20.7 per like that's that's not great the the unfortunate question for this king's roster is are they going to win 30 games unfortunately that's just how i feel with them matt like i think about this the other teams in this division they're all easily above 500 teams which means they're all easily getting to 40 wins you just have to believe that at this time the Lakers and the Warriors, If the, I mean, if Clay Thompson comes back, we're going to talk about this. If, the, if Clay Thompson comes back, the Warriors could be a 50-win team without batting an eye, which is a scary thought when you think about what the West has gone through for the last years. But this Kings roster, 
I mean, maybe our boy, our old boy Terrence Davis comes out of nowhere because he re-signed and he comes out and him and Davion Mitchell take over as the next studs. And then they're like, maybe we should trade De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese for Simmons. But, Matt, not happening. Not happening at all. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we're good, man. The Kings are just – they are what they are, but gonna, they've been at the bottom of the league for years, and there's a reason for that. I think – the team that's actually going to come fourth in this division surprisingly is probably going to be the Clippers, man. Um, they don't have Kawhi Leonard this year. Um, Ivan Zubak surprisingly is one of their best players when it comes to per and, and win share, which is a crazy stat for me. I mean, he had a 19.1 per and a 6.9 win share last season, just wild ahead of PG 13, but I yeah. was always big on Zubats. I was always big on Zubats. I thought the Lakers were were, cra- were taking crazy pills, thinking of, of how they let him go for like nothing to the Clippers. But yeah, man, I think I not having Kawhi, not, yeah, not having Kawhi for a while is going to be a big problem. Like as much as what we saw from PG and but and and you know how Batum is re- is going to be back and Jackson had a great had a great playoff run in, in certain times. I don't know if Keon Johnson can come in and get rotation minutes. He might be too raw. Their other guy who they drafted, Jason Preston, I think the same way. They had another third guy as well, whose name Brandon Boston Jr. Like they just get draft picks and players that are just gonna sit in their G League affiliate, I think, at this point. But will Justice Winslow come in and be a potential playmaker, a potential wing that can come in and give Kawhi and PG some some time off i don't know this is the problem with the clippers right there's too many question marks in the air we don't know how long Kawhi is going to be out we don't know if pg can be the guy all year round like i mean maybe his playoff woes were forgotten about the clippers are just up in the air for me and matt two years ago we said what is this team going to be Kawhi resigns so they've still got him but at the end of the day no real success. That is the story of the LA Clippers right now. Hey, yeah. When they they signed Kawhi two years ago and got PG-13, the whole NBA world, all the pundits were saying, you know, back-to-back championships. They're going to be the next dynasty. Uh, you have Patrick Beverly jumping up on tables in, in Vegas or Atlantic City, wherever he was, you know, screaming the next five years are mine. I'm winning a championship, all that kind of stuff. So... It's just, I think that they have definitely underperformed. I don't think PG-13 is going to be able to carry this roster. Uh, He did have a nice shooting, like, last year. He was a great player. He only shot 411 from deep for the season, like, on three points. Like, he had a great shooting season. He's a great shooter, but when, you know, the spotlight is more on him, he does tend to, to wilt away a little bit. Unfortunately, I I thought he didn't in his Indiana days. I think it's been more since he's left Indiana that that's kind of followed him. Maybe it's the pressure of forcing your way out, and then now everybody is looking at you to be the stud, to be the guy who carries you to a championship. So we'll see how it plays out, man. But this team, like Morris, Abaka, those are real key pieces for them. We'll see how Terrence Mann can develop after having that phenomenal playoff game. I just I don't see it, man. I don't see them being being a, a threat in the West this year at all. And they haven't been the last two years with a fully healthy roster. So, Matt, stop giving away my spoilers for how this episode is going to end here, okay? Because I'm with you. Like, you know, I love Abaka. I hope that he can come back off the injury that he missed so many playoff games from, and and be something for this team. Because you know, I, I love Big Chef. Like he, Mafuzi Chef is a legend. Like, come on, we we all love Abaka. But at the end of the day, you're right. I, I don't know about this Clippers team. And yeah, PG. Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe he left, and now he's got to be the man. And he's disappointed that he. I mean, I don't know if Paul George is is the star that has had the most game winners put over him because it's at least 10 Matt you can go and find it on the YouTube man there has been at least 10 plus game winning shots that have been put over Paul George and yet Matt I bet he'd say at least half of them were a bad shot I don't know man maybe it is maybe it is an issue maybe he's got something thinking on he's a good defender he's a great wing defender he's one of the best in the league right now but unfortunately for the Clippers it hasn't worked out for, for them so far and I don't have the faith yeah, it just doesn't seem like the timing that he needs 
is ever right there. You're right, man. Those Damian Lillard shots over top of him. Um, he's just letting it happen in the most crucial moments of the game. Like, you're not going to defend the full court. Like, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. It was, yeah, it was a bad shot, but it went in. So technically it's not a bad shot because he got it. So at the end of the day, I don't see him carrying them to, you know, prominence in the West. I think the three teams to really look out for in this division are the Suns, the Warriors, and the Lakers. And I think the Suns, man, are probably going to take a step back behind the Warriors and Lakers this year because they're if they have stay healthy, the Warriors and Lakers, those are scary rosters. That's the thing, right? In- injuries are the questions you have to ask because the Warriors and the Lakers are the veteran teams. They have the age. The Suns have CP3, but they've also got the young talent. To me, it's the question of can this team repeat its success? Because they re-signed Cameron Payne, they brought in JaVel McGee, they re-signed Abdel Nader, not that I knew he was playing much, and it's it's if they can replicate the success that they had, because obviously CP3 bought the best out of them. Devin Booker, while he was amazing in the playoffs, he still fell short in key moments, which was a big reason why the Suns unfortunately fell flat in the end. Obviously, I still believe the Kaminsky injury, I believe, was the massive decider, right? In, in why the series Sarge. potentially turned how it... Sarge, thank you. Wow, what's wrong with me? Where does Frank Kaminsky play now? Jeez, what's wrong with her? But yeah, Sarge going down was huge. He's playing there. At the end of the playing day. There. Okay, so maybe Frank was the one who was getting bodied and maybe he did show up and kind of have, have a good time. My memory is not great on this series. All I know is that Giannis absolutely put the hammer down, but the Suns have playoff experience now, Matt. And if they can replicate what they've done, I mean, how can they not be a top team up in here? But the Warriors, I think, have a little bit more brewing for them. And the Lakers, they've loaded every single bullet you possibly can into their, like, converted RPG assault rifle. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but the Suns have the opportunity to be one of the top three teams. But right now, I'm with you, Matt. I think they're the third option. Yeah, again, a guy like Devin Booker, fabulous season. But when you're, you know, averaging over 25 a game and you're shooting 48 from the floor, uh, field goals and and 34 from deep, to only have a 4.9 like win share, that's like not superstar status. He had the lowest out of CP3, Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, wow. CP3 with the 9.2, Ayton with an 8.4, and and Bridges with eight which was very surprising for me. The guy had a, a fabulous season. He shot 54 from the floor uh, on field goal attempts, 42.5 from deep and 840 uh, or 84% so from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah. And so close to a 50-40-90 season for a guy who's, you know, starting to develop even more. He's still young. I love what mm-hmm. he did in the playoffs for them. He was a key contributor guy like Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne, both having I fabulous seasons for them. Both guys yeah. that I told you about a year ago, like when they signed Jay Crowder, I knew he was going to be big. I had a lot of confidence in, in Cameron Payne. Um, Cam Johnson um, for this team, another player who I'm pretty sure has showed up. Like The Suns are good. That's what you have to remember is that there's a lot of talent on this team. That's why you said at the beginning, Matt, that there are four teams that could be the top four teams in the West depending on how it plays out. Now, let's not forget about the Jazz. They're not in this conference, but I forgot about them last year, Matt, and I have to remind myself every once in a while not to forget about them this year because having them out of the playoffs, like, for shame to me, for shame. But, yeah, Matt, Suns, I don't know. I have a lot of faith in Aiden. I hope that his playoff experience can show through and he can continue to develop because he has now been the farthest in that 2018 draft. Good for him. Absolute legend himself. And time will tell with this Suns team. I hope for Monty too because he had an absolute great run as a coach. And he is a true, like, from-the-heart coach. And I'd love for him to have another opportunity to compete at the highest level. Yeah, I would love to see the Suns team run it back. I unfortunately don't feel like they're going to be able to run it back at this point, which is kind of sad. Um, I think Aiton is going to take a step for sure. I think having CP3 as a mentor is really going to help him out and help him develop into 
an all-star level caliber center. He might even turn out to be one of the best centers in the league in a few years by the end of this whole thing. Um, and they do have so much talent on that roster. A guy like Devin Booker dropping 72, CP3 getting his bag and coming back. He was a true general leader of that team. So it's tough to see them, you know, go from second in the West, second, I think second or third overall in the entire NBA to take a step back. But it's just where it's going to play out, man. Because when you have a team like Golden State, who's getting Clay Thompson back, adding Oof. to what they already have in Curry, Wiggins, Green, and, and Wiseman, it it's going to be tough to beat them on a consistent nightly basis, man. I just, I think Golden State's going to have a monster year. Everyone was saying, you know, they, they're not out of title contention yet. They're not out of title contention yet. Um, I think they're going to prove it this year that they are definitely still in the title contention. The, my favorite part about Golden State is that straight up they are the biggest coin flip in the league. But but the coin flip isn't playoffs or no playoffs. It's championship or like second round out. But they're a coin flip that way because if Clay Thompson comes back and he's 85% what his past was and what we saw from Steph Curry being the scoring champion from last season, come on. How can you not believe in this team? They drafted... Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody at 7-14, and 14, two of the biggest projects in the league potentially, but also how often have we potentially seen a random project come out and show up as the fourth, fifth, or sixth option, which is what Golden State is asking of this team, right? So while I want to believe in this team and what they can do, I mean, they got Iguodala back. We all love having Iguodala on a team. He's going to, you know, shoot down the, the aliens when they've got the death beam up, but... At the end of the day, the Warriors are a big coin flip. <laughs> it's whether or not Clay can still be Clay, and whether or not the farm might get traded, if Wiggins can be Wiggins, because I think he's really enjoyed being a second, third, fourth option behind Steph Curry, and if Clay can come back again, I'll say it a hundred times. If Clay can come back, Golden State is a top three team in the West. No problem. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, man, that they are the biggest uh, coin flip in the NBA in terms of where they can compete. I mean, their floor is missing the playoffs and their ceiling is is a championship. Uh, guys like Klay Thompson coming back, you're right, 85% of Klay Thompson, he was never necessarily that athletic. Yes, he's an athletic guy. He's in the NBA. He's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, like he's a... He's definitely a, a true athlete, but at the end of the day, what he's known for is dribble, shoot, dribble, shoot, catch, shoot, catch, shoot. Like, what was that? Like the 43 point game or whatever he had in like three quarters, he had like how many dribbles? Like five or something throughout the whole game. So he doesn't need to handle the ball. I'm pretty sure he had something like, yeah, four, he had some, they say it was 23 points on like touching the ball like six times, seven times. Like, without taking shots, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. Clay is ridiculous. He reminds me... I'm going to nerd out on you for a second, Matt. He reminds me of a guy from, like, ancient Super Smash Bros. Melee history who was, like, the greatest doubles secondary player ever, but, like, never won singles tournament because he just wasn't in it. But if he was there to, like, support his boy, like, Steph Curry, like, he, they were the best in the world. And that's, that's what Clay and Steph were for the longest time in terms of their shooting and how they became that Golden State dynasty. Like, as much as Kevin Durant came in and secured those championships for them, it all starts with the Splash Brothers at the end of the day. So if Clay comes back, they are an absolute threat. No questions asked. Yeah, and it sounds like they're out of the Simmons trade, which is, you know, probably for the Smart. best, man. Yeah, at this point, just roll with what you have. You have your championship core in uh, Draymond, Curry, and Thompson. Uh, Wiggins and Wiseman are, are nice pieces. I think that the drafting of uh, Kaminga and Moody, as good as they are for young players, they're more of deve de developmental prospects. So what's going to happen is they're going to watch these guys and hopefully learn from them. And I think usher in a new era of Golden State Warriors basketball. But I don't know if they're going to help them enough to get to the championship level. I think the championship level team in this division and the team that the whole NBA should be worried about are those Lakers, man. Because at the end of the day, they have LeBron James, they have Anthony Davis,
They have Russell Westbrook, who averaged a triple-double last year. I mean, that was the third time in, what, four years? And nobody even talks about him. Jeez. My favorite part, my favorite part about that, Matt, is to get you even more excited. Look at Russell's teammates in the years that he's been getting these triple doubles. Like, obviously Russell is a stud, but think about how absolutely effortless a player like Russell Westbrook is going to be able to get 10 assists on a night when you have guys like LeBron James, like Anthony Davis, when Carmelo is going to come in and probably hit more threes just like LeBron than he has in other careers. Like, this team has stocked up on so many studs, so many old names, so many, like, people are calling it, what, the retirement home, the LA Lakers retirement home with some of these names? Like, I love that they re-signed Taylor Horton Tucker. I'm hoping he's, like, the young stud that can come off and be some energy, but, I mean, missing Kuzma, eh, not a big deal, unfortunately. Sorry, Kyle. Like, Not at all. You were the kid that they nobody wanted to trade for. That's why you were still on that team. You got your ring. You got your ring, though. Come on, man. You got your ring. Um, obviously, um, you know, missing Montrez is going to be a big deal. Yeah. KCP, while we joke about him and how we don't think he ever had value, I mean, he hits threes, and that was important for this team, so he'll be missed. Alex Caruso, as we discussed last week, I think will be an immense loss, but the Lakers have been able to fill his situation with Russell and yada, 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 with, with Rondo now as well, which will be interesting. But Yeah, and Wayne Ellington. Marquee- Yep, exactly. But missing Schroeder as well. Like, I mean, I was joking about his donuts. Again, I think they filled his minutes. So that's the beauty of the Lakers. And that's why they're kind of the cream of the crop. Because while they may be old beyond degree, I think with the right situation and the right talent and LeBron James being the GM, like, I think the minutes are going to happen. And if everyone is willing to sacrifice and be like, okay, I'm going to play 20 minutes this game, 30 minutes this game, 26 minutes this game, based on how the flow of the game is going and what the GM and they need on the court. Like, how can they not be the best team? Like, how can they not, Matt? I I don't know, man. I'm That's why I'm picking them. Uh, I know I picked them last year, but I, <laughs> I do like their offseason better than I did last year. I thought letting JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard walk last season was was a disaster for them because AD does not like to play the center, and those two guys eat up center minutes. Bringing back Howard was smart for me. Um, I like the Rondo signing. I like Wayne Ellington. I like Malik Monk. He's a 40% free throw, or, uh, three-point shooter. He yeah. had a tremendous draft status and then went to Charlotte and kind of floundered. And I mean, how many guys really succeed in Charlotte? LaMelo Ball excluded. Um, Like, really, Kemba Walker was their last high-end player. And I can't remember, you know, another one. So at the end of the day, I definitely think they got better. And I think that they're going to be scary because Westbrook is going to be able to alleviate (laughs) LeBron James from carrying a ton of the load during the regular season. And then he's going to be fresh for the playoffs. And it's going to be lookout league, man. I'm coming back for my crown. Yanni's not the king. I'm the king still. Which, we'll see how it happens, man. I still think LeBron James is the GOAT. So It comes down to a lot of factors still. Obviously, when everything works out right, this team is potentially the best team on paper. They're a team that can win a championship. But Matt... That's what everyone said about the Nets last year, and unfortunately, injuries hampered them and things didn't come together. Like, I can't wait to see something like a Russell Westbrook at the one, LeBron at the two, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker having the game of his life playing the three, and then you have Carmelo and AD to close out as a closing lineup. Like, that'd be so fun and weird to see with a team. Like, the Lakers have options, and they have LeGM. 60 wins, Matt? You think they can do it? Yeah, I think 60 wins is definitely in in the cards for them. Uh, definitely on the table. I, I like the lineup of, uh, could you imagine rolling out Westbrook with LeBron, AD, and uh, Dwight Howard out there? That's four surefire Hall of Famers. I mean, none of with them... Mellow shooting as well? Oh, yeah, man. You add it in Mellow into that lineup, that's five Hall of Famers. Uh, it's going to be a tough team to beat. And I think they all understand their roles. They all know what they're going for. 
It's for legacy. It's for championships. It's to get a guy like Carmelo his first ring, and what Westbrook his first ring, and I think that's gonna fire them up. And yeah, watch out, man. It's it's Lakers City this year, and the Lakers League basically. I would love to see them be healthy. To be honest, I would love to see everybody healthy. NBA, if you could just turn off injury sliders this season, I would be really happy because we've got a lot of great teams and a lot of great situations that can come together and give us great playoff basketball because, Matt, that's what you and I want. That's what the fan base wants. That's what we all love to see at the end of the day is the best players in the world playing one of our favorite sports at the absolute top-tier level. So come on, LeBron, stay healthy. Russell, do what you gotta do. AD, like, please, figure... Like, ah, man, I was so sad when the AD injury happened. Like, this team comes together, Matt, they are probably unstoppable. But we don't talk about them now, but the Nets on the other side are probably the other potential unstoppable beast when it comes to perfect, like, a perfect season and no injuries. So I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm sad that there's still, like, seven weeks left. Yeah, man, it's gonna roll by quick, though. Don't worry about it. You know, NBA preseason is gonna start up. NHL preseason is gonna start up at the end of the month. We've got football, so we definitely got a lot of sports to be talking about, man. Did you want to do any Raptors chat? I mean, I know they got that one good signing this this week. I mean, I, I can't go by without mentioning uh, Savia Mikhailuk. He's a great three point shooter. He might make the rotation. The end of our bench is getting really interesting, and we'll have a lot more time to talk about it as we get there, as preseason rolls around, as, you know, Nick Nurse decides who he actually wants to play. But I can't not bring it up as the Raptors fan that I am because it's another player added to the team. And, uh, yeah, welcome, Svee. Two-year deal. Whether or not it'll be uh, fully guaranteed, time will tell. But, yes, Matt, let's roll into some takes because, man, we could talk forever, you and I. Yeah, buddy, especially with all the great content that's been going on this week. Uh, love it in the offseason. We've got this much to talk about. Um, my pred- prediction is Montreal has tonight, they have tomorrow, and they have Saturday to match this contract. I think they'll wait out the full time frame, and they're going to match oh, it. Yeah. And they're going to come out with a similar statement to what Carolina did with the Ajo sheet, oh, just please. to kind of poke back. But I, I unfortunately think they're going to match it. I mean, as fortunate as it is that we get to keep KK, that number is just way too big. Hey, maybe they match it and then it becomes a part of the Eichel deal, huh? No, they can't trade him for a whole year. Oh, right, I forget. There's trading rules. You know, I th- I live in a fantasy world. You know me. <laughs> same, bro, right, well, same. <laughs> oh, gosh, don't. We can make it so easy for our favorite teams. Can our teams be the fantasy teams and everybody else have regular rules? Like, please, come on, I want championships. Right. But let's talk about me because you we discussed it earlier. I was talking about how Matt was giving spoilers left and right. I got no faith in the, in the Clippers. I think they don't secure home court in the playoffs this year. At the end of the day, the West is deep. The West is always the West. And when you miss Kawhi Leonard, a top 10 you know, player in the league, who's going to run your team for a, at least potentially half the season maybe, maybe more. Sorry, I got no confidence in PG-13, whether or not he had a great season last year. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that there's already three teams in the division that are ahead of them, and getting a top four seed is going to be very tough. So I think he nailed that one right on the head. Even if they make the playoffs, I think that's going to be iffy. Thanks. You know, I'm, I'm trying every week to come up with something unique. Last week, I was like, maybe the Pistons won't be trash. Hey, this week, I'm thinking maybe the Clippers will be trash. Like... It's just how I feel every time. We'll see what next week will bring, Matt. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm totally excited about it, man. But I think you're good to wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube. And check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.